You have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they've done. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Let's pray. Oh God, as we've come here this afternoon, we pray for insight and understanding about who you are, what kind of relationship you're calling us into with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're starting our uh, new summer uh, teaching series on the book of Romans, uh, a book that was a, a letter written to the uh, believers in the newborn church in the first century. Over the uh, next couple of weeks, actually the next couple of months, we'll be hearing from a number of voices uh, from the Advent Hope community on this, this letter and the stories within this letter. And so, uh, today we start with Romans 2, which is alluding to Romans 1, which we didn't read in detail, but basically summarizes the bad behavior of human beings. It's, it's kind of a stark and direct message. It covers a lot of grounds from uh, sexual ethics to idolatry and ends with these words. This is from Romans chapter 1 and verse 21 talking about humanity. They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. Again, I said it was a, a stark condemnation of uh, human nature, and uh, for those who are inclined for self-righteousness, it's a list that uh, might encourage one to uh, gloat, and that's why uh, Romans 2 is so incredibly important. Paul, Paul is addressing here, the author of uh, this letter, is addressing those who might uh, gloat after reading this kind of horrific li list of all of these terrible things in which uh, humanity takes part in, he says, hey, you who, uh, you who are gloating, you have no excuse, those of you who pass judgment on other people because uh, you are condemning yourself because you all have done these things as well. We're all in the same boat if we're honest. We all have issues. We all have brokenness. We all have uh, things in which we can be uh, judged on. And of course, Paul here is just echoing the words of Jesus himself, who in his most famous sermon found in Matthew chapter 7, says these words, Don't judge, or you too will be judged. 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be used against you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your sibling, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a giant plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your sibling's eye. And so again, Paul is echoing the words of Jesus, the thought of Jesus that we as human beings are all in the same mess. We're all messed up. There, are, there is no one who has a, a, an innate tendency to have it all together. We're all broken, all in the same boat, all messed up. No one has an edge on living morally or ethically. We are all uh, broken. And so speaking of his uh, religious compatriots, uh, a little bit later, Paul in Romans chapter 3, which we'll actually look at in more detail next week, says these words. Hey, uh, and he's talking about his brothers and sisters in the, in the Jewish faith. Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we are already have made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are alike, all under the power of sin. There's no one righteous, not even one. We're all a mess. And, uh, you know, I think as we come here today as a, as a community, we can... Uh, probably recognize if we can get beyond our self-righteousness, we can recognize that the words of Jesus and the words of Paul are certainly uh, true. We are a mess. This is a group of messed up uh, people. Everyone is under the power of sin. All of us innately have a tendency toward those things that are harmful for us and harmful for our relationships with other people. And yet, and yet, we also have this weird tendency to judge each other. Uh, this issue of uh, judgmentalism isn't just related, by the way, to those who are religious. Sometimes it's, it's promoted as a religious uh, a problem, and don't get me wrong, certainly religious people have an, an issue with being judgmental. Um, it, it can be part of, of, of who we are. But this issue of judgmentalism isn't something that is just related to those who are uh, religious. The reality is all of us judge with, are, are, are judgmental, have a spirit of judgmentalism toward other people. It's, it does seem to be just part of who we are that we, we, we tend to pick on those who are, are, we perceive as less than us and we uh, judge them. So this is not just a religious issue. This transcends uh, religion and really uh, crosses really all cultural uh, boundaries. Uh, this issue of judgmentalism, it's uh, so odd since we are indeed all in uh, the same boat. Now, before we go any further, just a little side note here. You know, we're going to be obviously talking about uh, uh, judging and being judgmental today, and uh, yet, uh, and, and the reality that Paul and, and Jesus and throughout the, the, the Bible, and particularly the New Testament, kind of condemn this, uh, this behavior of judging other people. With that said, certainly there are cases that we have to note that we do uh, need to be use good judgment and to judge people. I mean, I want someone to judge the pilot who is flying my plane. Please judge that person. Make sure that they are a uh, a good pilot that they can get the job done. Or you want uh, someone to have judged the person who is, you know, cooking your your dinner. We don't have potluck today, but if we did, you know, our potluck team leader would have made sure that the the people who are making the, the meal are. You know how, know how to do what they're going to do. There's, so there is an element of, 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 of being able to evaluate people's skills and capabilities. Uh, the problem is when you start to judge people's ultimate 
character, their motives, and, uh, and maybe their, their uh, outcome, their, their, their eternal outcome, if you will. This is where judgmentalism becomes uh, a problem, and this is often the realm in which we, uh, we do it, we, we judge. We look at a person and we start to think about what kind of person they are. We judge by what we see, and we think we can evaluate what their character is. And so, uh, as we're thoughtful about this, we have to ask ourselves, what is it about our own characters, what is it about our own selves that makes us so judgmental toward other uh, people? And I think there are some very um, obvious uh, things that jump out to us. First, judging others uh, harshly is a way of hiding our own shortcomings. Uh, Thomas Hobbes, the, the 18th century philosopher, writes that about those who are, are forced to keep themselves in their own favor by observing the imperfections of others. Uh, when you focus on other uh, people and all that they're doing wrong, it's really, really easy uh, to hide your own uh, shortcomings from other people, but maybe even from yourself. If you're always focused on what someone else is doing wrong or how the, terribly they've got it, or what kind of messed up character or messed up behavior they have, that is a really great way of hiding our own uh, shortcomings. They're bad, I'm not that bad, thank God. Um, judging others harshly is a way of hiding our own uh, shortcomings. And we do this, of course, because being realistic about our shortcomings is often incredibly painful. I mean, who wants to sit around and think about your shortcomings all day? It's not, it's not fun. And so we uh, want to avoid that. And so we avoid thinking about our own shortcomings by focusing on the shortcomings of others. It's painful to think about the areas in which we are personally broken. And we are so hungry to be worth something, especially in, in a world where our worthiness is always seemingly in question. Our worth is, 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 is so in doubt to many of us that, again, it's much easier to focus on the, the, the problems that other people have. Uh, being realistic about our own shortcomings subverts our worthiness, and uh, that's not something we want to do, especially in a world that's based on uh, performance, our performance. And so it's our worthiness that's really at, at stake, and we can make ourselves feel more worthy and of greater worth by focusing on the problems that other people have. Now, weirdly, uh, comparing ourselves to others uh, can indeed make us, at least temporarily, uh, feel better. Uh, you can usually find someone who you, you can evaluate as less uh, worthy than yourself. In fact, I, you know, look across the room, find somebody less worthy than yourself. Go. Uh, the reality is you've probably already done it. Um, that's, that's just the reality of human nature, right? You walked in this room and you probably, you, you subconsciously maybe even thought, well, this person is uh, less worthy uh, than, than me for whatever reason. Maybe it's the way they dress, maybe it's the way they look, maybe it's their ethnicity, whatever. I mean, that's the problem, right? Trying to build ourselves up by looking at what we perceive to be shortcomings of other people, it just seems to be that our tendency as humans to evaluate ourselves in contrast 
to other people, and you've probably already done it this morning, this afternoon. Um, weirdly, comparing ourselves to others makes us uh, feel better. Uh, while being judgmental toward other people is at the heart of Paul's message in Romans, uh, for some of us, though, there is another reality that we do need to address, and that is that uh, maybe our issue is not that we're overly judgmental on other people, but that we're overly judgmental on ourselves. I mean, some of us are just incredibly, incredibly judgmental about our own being, our own uh, character, and so this is almost the opposite uh, issue. We are uh, so consumed about how inadequate we are that we just feel like we aren't uh, worth anything. And so the bottom line is this. We, as humans, you and I, are terrible at judging. We are terrible at judging ultimate things. We're not good at judging other people. We do it. We do it for all these reasons, uh, but we're not very good at it, and we're not good at judging our own character and our own being. And so we, this is a problem. Judging is a problem. No wonder Paul and Jesus and the other New Testament writers and even throughout the Old Testament called this out as something that is forbidden. Don't judge. It's not your job. You're not good at it. Know, know, know what you're good at. This is not something you're good at. Don't judge when it comes to ultimate uh, things. Thankfully, though, there is uh, one who is really good at judgment, or this would be a very uh, sad uh, teaching today. Um, we think about the stories of Jesus, and I think about two in particular, two really familiar stories, but they help us to see what it's like to be good at judging, to be good at evaluating a person, uh, despite maybe the, the surface uh, situation. We think, I think of uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. You've, again, if you've been around church circles, you may have heard this story before, but Jesus is traveling throughout the land with his disciples. They go off to find some food, and he is left in a town by a well, and he meets this woman, uh, a Samaritan woman. Two things to know, again, Usually men are not talking, single men are not talking to single women at uh, wells. It's not going to look good for them. And the Samaritans and the Jews were at odds with each other. And so the fact that uh, Jesus engages this woman and has a conversation is somewhat surprising. But Jesus is capable of judging uh, properly. So he enters into this conversation. You can read about it in detail in John chapter 4 and verse 7. When his disciples come back, they are very surprised to find him talking with this woman Again, because she's a woman and because she's a Samaritan. Uh, but Jesus keeps on the engagement and has an incredible conversation. And in fact, the woman becomes a follower herself of Jesus and invites the whole town to join in following Jesus as well. Jesus is a very good judge of character. He is not, uh, he is not hindered by uh, someone's gender. He's not hindered by someone's ethnicity. He's not uh, hindered by the place in which they uh, live. Another story, Jesus again with his disciples, he uh, travels to a new territory, gets out of the boat, and he is approached by a man who the Bible describes as uh, being full of a demon. He's demon-possessed. And when he saw Jesus, he comes and runs and falls at Jesus' feet. And uh, if it's me, if it's you probably, and you're walking around in New York, I mean, if we're honest, I, by the way, I, had, I was out, out in front of the church yesterday, and someone, he was not demon-possessed, but he was also, you know, probably suffering some, from some 
kind of mental health uh, issue, and he approached me, and my natural incl inclination was to have my uh, guard up. Now, I was just a couple of, of a months ago at a mental f health first aid uh, training, which, by the way, we're going to be doing here at Advent Hope in, in October, and we're going to invite everybody to come and help to get some mental health first aid training. This doesn't mean you're going to be a psychologist over a week, but it's going to be able to do when you can identify when someone is having some mental health issues. So I was able to identify this from this person. But my initial inclination was to get out of a, a, a town, to run back into the, ironically, run back into the building. Um, I did not do that. Um, but, but, but uh, you know, don't think that there probably was not some judgment going on in my own mind because, hey, I'm broken uh, just like you are. But Jesus was a good uh, judge of character. And so Jesus takes this man who is filled with a, a demon, has a conversation, heals him, and the man, again, is transformed and changed and becomes a follower of Jesus uh, himself. All this leads to support the simple idea that while we are not good judges of character and ultimate things, Jesus was an excellent judge. He can look beyond the surface inadequacies. He can look beyond the surface things that we might use to judge how a person dresses. Again, their ethnicity, their gender, how someone talks, even their mental health condition. Jesus is able to look beyond that and see a person for what they can become, not who they are. I don't have that capability. You probably do not have that capability. Jesus had and has that capability to judge uh, fairly. But not only was Jesus uh, able to judge fairly, not only is Jesus able to judge fairly, Jesus was judged unfairly. And this is maybe even more uh, uh, crucial as we think about the role that Jesus plays in, the, in, in judgment. Jesus is a good judge. He showed that time and time again. Uh, but Jesus was also judged unfairly. We're going to let him take over, if that's okay. Jesus was judged unfairly. We read these words in Isaiah 53. This is actually a, a, a prediction about what is to happen to Jesus that, certain, that was uh, fulfilled. But Isaiah 53 says this about Jesus and his, his treatment, that he was treated unfairly unfairly, that he was judged unfairly. Isaiah 53 verse 2 says this, uh, he grew up like a tender uh, plant, a plant out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. There was nothing, if you looked at him and you just judged him by his looks, you, you were going to misjudge him. He was despised and he was rejected by all of mankind, a, a, a man of suffering, he was familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and was held in low, self, in low esteem. Surely, he took upon himself our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus was a great judge of character. He could see uh, beyond a person's facade, beyond ethnicity, gender, place they lived, mental health. He could see beyond that. But not only was Jesus a great judge of character, Jesus was also judged unfairly. All of this 
is good news for us. Because while we are not good judges of, of character, and while we uh, judge people uh, to lift ourselves up, to, to, to try to gain uh, worth, there's hope that the God who is a good judge and the God who was judged unfairly is also the God who can transform and change our ability both to judge ourselves and to have new eyes to evaluate the people around us. Because Jesus suffered and was treated unfairly, we have hope for a new future. Uh, God's judgment is designed to be helpful for us. In Jesus, God has provide, provided the means for us to be helped. Now, the concept, the very concept of judgment uh, is something that is designed to be good for us. In Romans chapter uh, 2, verse 6, this is a little bit further uh, than our text of emphasis uh, went a little earlier. We read this, and again, this is, is Paul writing to the church in Romans. He said, God will repay each person according to what they've done. Somewhat uh, shocking if you read it alone. God will repay each person according to what they've done. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God doesn't show uh, favoritism. What we, what we get here is that, hey, Paul is making it clear, what we do, what kind of people we are, actually uh, matters. It does matter how we behave, what we do, uh, what our actions are toward ourselves and toward other people. That's kind of a big deal. And in fact, when it comes to ultimate judgment, uh, these are going to be the things in which we are judged on and whether God's uh, ability is judged on, whether his ability to transform and change us is judged on. And so our actions do uh, make a difference. But yet, if you read Romans 2, 6-11 on your own, you would think, hey, this is all up to us. Fortunately, there is a lot more that Paul has written about how we get to be the kind of people that God is calling us to be. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 4, we read this companion text. Because of God's great love for us, he who is rich in mercy has made us alive in Jesus. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been rescued through faith this isn't from yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's judgment is designed to be good news for us. God's judgment helps us to understand where our shortcomings are. We said we are not good judges on our own. We're not good judges of other people. In fact, we've been forbidden of judging other people, ultimately. But we're also not good judges of our own shortcomings, our own failures. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, certainly this is true for me. I'm not a good judge of what is really great for me and what is not good for me. I mean, sometimes the things I really get hooked up on, on boy, if only 
things were better in this area of my life, everything else would be better. But the reality is, I'm not a very good judge of that, so when those things are seemingly fixed, the problem really isn't fixed itself. There's still deeper and, and, and darker issues. But because God is a, a good judge, his judgment is great news for me because it reveals what's really going on and what needs to be transformed and changed in my own experience. Y'all with me here? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not a good judge. I'm not a good judge of you, and I'm not a good judge of me. Thank God Jesus is a great judge. He's not uh, hindered by the, the facade. He can see deep down in who we are, what our characters are. And, 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 he was judged unfairly. We, can't, we cannot forget that fact. You know, you're judged unfairly. It gives you a different picture on people. It makes, you, it makes you more compassionate. If you're judged unfairly, you can be more compassionate to others who are judged unfairly. You make sure that you're not going to judge others unfairly. Jesus was judged unfairly. He's also a great judge. I'm not a good judge of you, and I'm not a good judge of me. And so God's judgment is great news. When God reveals his judgment to me about the areas in the, 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 of my life that need to be transformed and changed, this is great news for me because there's still time. I'm still breathing. He can start to do his work in me to make me the kind of person that he wants me to be. Judgment is good news. But judgment on me is not just good news for me. It's also designed to be good news for you as well because here's the beauty of things. Uh, when God uh, judges us, when he reveals the things that need to be transformed and changed, and as we embrace his work, this is the great promise, right, of Ephesians 4, as we embrace God's work, God is able to work inside of us and transform and change us and to make the changes that need to happen so that we can be the kind of people that he wants us to be and that we really want to be. As we embrace that work and God works in us, he doesn't just do that good work for ourselves. This is, this is, a, this is a trick, a trap, that particularly, I think, religious people fall into. We think that, boy, you know, religion and spirituality and church is all about ourselves and becoming uh, better people ourselves and more transcendent people ourselves and that that's the, that's the ultimate uh, goal. I think in particular, if we're really honest, Adventists, this, for those of you who aren't aware, this is a Seventh-day Adventist uh, community. Adventists have a particular issue with this. We can tend to think everything is about ourselves and our own transcendent, you know, we just, if we just eat better, if we, you know, go to worship on the right day and we do all these things, that it's going to be better for us. But God's ultimate design is not just that we will live a better life. It's that we'll be better stewards of this, of this, of this planet, of this community, of this relationship that we have with each other. God is not just making us awesome for our own awesomeness sake. He wants to transform us and change us so that we will be brother, better brothers and sisters in humanity. I mean, think about what uh, Jesus uh, said about the, the, the speck of dust and the plank in your eye. He says, you, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. You're not a good judge of character. You're judging everybody else. You're seeing what's wrong with them, but you've got this giant plank sticking out of your eye. This is a, a carpenter's uh, uh, illustration, by the way. You know, he's a, carp he's a carpenter. You get the dust in your eye. That's very annoying. But, I mean, a plank, like a piece of wood sticking out of your eye, first of all, even more annoying, and how can you miss that? You're a hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. 
He could stop there. That's just helping yourself, getting yourself together. No, then once you get the plank out of your own eye, then you can clearly see the speck in your brother's eye, in your sibling's eye, and help to get it out too. See, this thing is designed not just for our own edification. God's work in us isn't just to, to make us more happy and healthy and satisfied in, in life. God is, is working and wants to transform us so that we can be a, a better brother and sister to our, our brothers and sisters in humanity. It's not just for ourselves. God is calling us. God is uh, judging us so that we can be transformed not just for ourselves, but for each other. Paul asked, do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God judges us so that we can be open to the transformation and change that he promises in us. But that transformation and that change is not just for us alone, so that we can be enabled to help our brother or sister who has a speck in their own eye. And so today, as we start this journey through this letter to the church in Rome, may this also be a letter to us, to this community here, to Advent Hope, but not just to Advent Hope as a, a community to each of us, that we can embrace the transformation and change that God wants to do in us individually and as a community. And that as we're transformed, as we embrace God's uh, judgment, as we recognize that we're not good judges, he's the only true and faithful judge, and that he himself also was judged unfairly, as we recognize this and are transformed and changed, may we become a powerful force in this community, in this city, in this world to help in the good things that God wants to do. Amen.